passages, storm the castle, storm the castle. In Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, it's Matthew chapter 12. I don't know why I'm telling you Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 12, verse 22 through 28 is where we're beginning this morning. Matthew 12, 22 through 28. And then it says, then a demon possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to him and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw and all the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? They, therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That is the prayer for this church, that the kingdom of God would come upon us and we would walk in the power of God like never before. And that's why this series is called Power On. We want the kingdom of God to come upon us and we want the power of God to come upon us so we can do the great and mighty works that it's going to take to see this 20 mile radius that God has given us influence and culture change right where we're at. And it's going to take more than just a great inspirational message. It is going to take the kingdom and the power of God coming upon us to see this happen. And so we're excited about that. And this whole year, we're in a theme called REACH, which stands for Raising Eternal and Community Hope. Raising eternal and community hope. It's not good enough just to raise community hope. We must raise eternal hope as well. Amen. That there's more to live for than just this moment that we're in. That there's more to live for than just the things going on in our day-to-day lives. We have an eternal hope, and we're going to raise community hope through that eternal hope. 2 Corinthians 10, 13, the last part of it says, But we will celebrate and glory in only with regard to our area of influence God has assigned to us to reach even you. And we as a church, we've got to recognize our area of influence. You have an area of influence. We have an area of influence. TWBC's area of influence is the 20-mile radius surrounding this campus right here in Sulphur Springs, Texas, in which we will bring the kingdom of God upon this 20-mile radius. We will see the power of God move in our, in our schools and in our courthouses in every way, shape, and form. We're going to see the power of God come so much that we don't just influence culture, but our term for influence means we change the culture that we live in. Amen. I'm so excited that there's going to be a day that I get to experience, not just in my lifetime, but in the next several coming years, that we see no more racism in our 20-mile radius. Can I get an amen? I'm so excited about that. There's nothing that burns me up more, that gets me uh, fired up more than to come against that spirit of racism that is driven by a spirit of fear on the inside of us. And you know what? I'm so excited to see the power of God come up on us in such a way that the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. And when we let the love of the Father come upon us, we will no longer see our brothers and sisters by the colors of their skin. We will see our brothers and sisters by the, sisters, by the Spirit of God that's on the inside of them. Amen. I'm so excited to see our whole culture change that the poverty level is eradicated in our 20-mile radius. Amen. Man, I'm so excited to see that day when kids don't got to go to school with, shoe, with holes in their shoes. Man, I'm so excited to see that day when our school in our Hopkins County area in this 20-mile radius gets to say, hey, we don't need government-funded lunches any longer. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. 
That's the influence I'm talking about. We begin to influence this 20-mile radius. We change culture in this 20-mile radius to such an extent that we completely look different and we become a Matthew 5:14 city or what Jesus already said we are. It says, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. It does not say a church on a hill. It says a city on a hill. So we're doing a lot more than growing a church. We're changing cities, amen. And we're going to see God do amazing things. And as we influence this 20-mile radius, we're going to impact, impact a four-state area. We're going to watch God's fingerprint get put on this four-state area of Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Louisiana. And we're going to continue to ignite nations around the world. And you'll hear more about igniting nations around the world this coming Wednesday night. If you want to hear about the trip that we just took to Bhutan as a TWBC group, um, uh, this Wednesday night we're going to have an update report on all the things that God did. And can I tell you, he did some amazing things and you don't want to miss it. And so this coming Wednesday night, we'll hear about how we ignited nations around the world and also some things that God has coming up for you to jump in involved and continue to ignite nations as well. And so this morning, as we uh, jump into this morning's message, if we're going to ignite nations and impact a four-state area and influence culture, we're going to have to do it from a power source that's greater than anything that we possess right here on this earth, where it's going to have to be more than what the world offers. It's going to have to be from what the kingdom of God begins to offer us and has offered us since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we must begin to operate in that kingdom and in that power. And so now that we are free, fear, and now that we're not hooked any longer on offenses that we learned about last week, today we're going to begin to storm castles that have plagued us for years. We're going to storm some castles in your life. All right? We're going to begin to storm castles today. Now, as we begin to storm castles today, you need to not look at your neighbor and say, ooh, this is for this person, or oh, this is for so-and-so, or oh, so-and-so should have been here this morning. They needed to hear it. This isn't for so-and-so who you're missing this morning. This is for you sitting right here in this sanctuary, right here in the chair that you're sitting in. This is even for Pastor Joel right here this morning, because Joel has some castles that have to be stormed this morning. Amen. Joel even has some issues that he's got to deal with. So I'm not preaching at you. I'm sitting in a chair right next to you. And the best part about this is you only have to hear this message one time. I've heard it about 20 times. And I still got some issues that I'm storming. Amen. And I still got some things that God's showing me. So we're going to watch the power of God come in and do some amazing things. And this power source that comes from heaven is going to be created here this morning. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 10. Verses 3 through 5, and it says this, For though we walk in the flesh, in this physical body, for though we walk in this physical body the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. So therefore, all these physical symptoms you feel in your physical body, it's not our battle. We're not waging against that war. Many times the physical symptoms you feel in your physical body are a result of a deeper issue, a deeper thing that's manifesting physically. Amen. And so we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So God has already given you weapons of warfare that you currently possess right now. That you have it since you're born again in Christ Jesus. When you became a born again believer and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he endows you with power to use divine weapons that are powerful and mighty for the pulling down of the strongholds that are already in your life. So you have the strongholds that you need to tear down, but God didn't leave you weak and helpless here in this earth. 
God has already given you the weapons that are divine and powerful to pull down the strongholds that are in your life. And it says, we destroy arguments, come on, and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. What that means is when you have an ungodly thought in your head, you take it captive, and you tell the thought you must surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. These thoughts that are not of God that come into your life, and we're going to deal big time with our thoughts this morning. These thoughts that are not of God that pop into our head, these speculations that we're going to get into in a minute, which is a system of thoughts, and these lofty things, which are are, our philosophies that are built in through the systems of thoughts that occur in our life. God says, I've already given you divine power to pull down those strongholds, but you need to take every thought captive to the command and obedience of Jesus Christ. You no longer look at Jesus Christ as the spotless lamb. You look at him as the dominating lion of the tribe of Judah. You don't look at Jesus as the, as the nice, sweet little man who walked this earth and now has scars that he said, Thomas, if you'll touch my hands, you'll believe. You look at Jesus as a mighty general controlling all the hosts of heaven and coming in power. And this general has said, I've given you divine weapons that are powerful and mighty for the pulling down of strongholds in your life, for storming castles that are in your life. Now, as we jump into this, it says, it says we have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now, that word strongholds literally means this. The term strongholds it actually in the, in the Greek means fortress, or in our modern day term, it means castle. And so basically, it says you have divine power to destroy the castles that are built. Now, I love the movies about medieval times. I love seeing the movies that have these castles built. I love seeing all these extravagant castles, and they have moats around them to protect the castle. And then they have warriors on the outside there. They have warriors on the inside right before the gates. Then you have this big castle that's built, and they're amazing. And I love the movies that talk about castles. But the problem with that is, it's just as majestic and amazing it is in a movie with a castle, there's an evil side to it, and just as powerful and stronghold as that castle is in the movie, so are the strongholds and castles in your life that the devil has built that have been built around a misplaced trust or a lie that's in your life. And now that he's got a stronghold there, he's fortified it. And he's doing everything to keep the power or light of Jesus Christ to come in. Because when the light of Jesus Christ comes in, he begins to destroy the castles. And so in our life this morning, he's given us divine power to pull down the castles that the enemy has built in our life. And begin to set us free in areas that we're still held captive. Begin to set us free and we walk in divine power. And it it says this. The... That, that it is and a stronghold is this. It's anything that we placed our trust in other than God. Proverbs 21, 22 says this. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and bring down the stronghold in which they trust. A wise man scales the walls of the mighty and bring down the, and bring down the strongholds in which they trust. 
So what God is saying is that you have a stronghold in your life, and he's sending people into your life that are going to scale the city walls that have been built, and they're going to come in, and they're going to begin to destroy the strongholds that have held you captive and begin to set you free, and you get to walk in the power of God that's been held back because of a misplaced trust in your life. And it says, and it says they, we bring down the strongholds in which they trust. That means there's an area of misplaced trust in our own confidence, in our own power that the devil's built a castle around that God says if it's not trust in him, it's a misplaced trust, and that misplaced trust has now had a fortress built around it, and many of us are believing the lies that are held within that fortress. Now, I want to tell you this. The Bible says this that we just read. It says he has given us divine power to destroy strongholds. Now, if there's a power given to us, there's an implied commission directed to us. See, God doesn't just say you have divine power and not expect there to be a a, a commission to go along with it. He doesn't give his power for show. He doesn't give his power for a Christian just to walk around and say, oh, look how great and powerful I am. If there's a power given to us, there's a direct commission implied to us. If there's a power uh, given to, to, to raise student ministries, there's a commission implied to raise student ministries to go use the power. In Northeast Texas, we got people who own a lot of land. And sometimes these landowners hire people to oversee the land that they work. And if you got hired to to manage a a 1,000 or 2,000 acre ranch, and the owner hands you a key to the barn and says, in the barn are all types of vehicles and everything that you need to maintain this ranch, here are the keys to the barn... There's an implied commission that you're supposed to use what's in the barn to go maintain the land that he owns. Does that make sense? Nobody in their right mind would say if the owner handed them the keys to the barn and all the vehicles were in the barn and all the vehicles had the keys in the vehicles that were in the barn to say, wow, this is some great power and start walking the fence row by foot. But many believers, the Bible says, you have been given divine power for the pulling down of strongholds, and we're walking the fence row by foot. We no longer walk the fence row by foot. We begin to storm the castle today with the power of God that he's given us, and with that power, he said, I've given you divine power to pull down the strongholds. And the proverb said this, a wise man scales the city walls and pulls down the strongholds in which they trust. So this is saying if you've been given divine power, it's not just for you to use on you, but it's for you to use on somebody else who needs to be set free. But it also is for you to use on you. Now I want to put a, a preface out there. Jesus said this, don't go try and pull the speck out of your brother's eye when you got a log in your own eye. Don't walk up to somebody and tell them they got an issue when you got bigger issues. You need to start using the divine power on yourself. Get yourself set free. 
Get yourself operating so you can then clearly operate with somebody else. And many of us, we want to go pull down everybody else's strongholds because if you're working on somebody else, you ain't got to work on yourself. Like I told you when I started this message, this message is just as much for Joel T. Meyer as it is for you. And I've had to hear this message about 20 times, and I'm still working on myself. So anything I say this morning is directed at myself. Joel needs to quit walking fence rows. Joel needs to get into the barn. We need to start seeing what God's got available because he said he's given us divine power that'll pull down strongholds. It's time to see strongholds begin to get pulled down in every area of our life. Many people think to destroy strongholds and castles in your life, you got to do a lot of research and figure out how the castles were built. You don't have to figure out how it was built to tear it down. Once you tear it down... You need to find the misplaced trust, though, so it can't be rebuilt. Okay? You must find the root cause that the fortress is built around, what it's protecting, so you don't keep having castles that you got to keep tearing down and tearing down. You don't got to figure out how it was built. You just tear it down, and you find the issue of why it was built around it. And with that, you begin to remove the misplaced trust and let the love of the Father come in. And do amazing things in your life. And so the Bible says this. It says, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. More than I want you set free, I want you to stay free. And and when you get set free this morning, I want you to realize what what lie or, or misplaced trust you've been harboring so you stay free. See, we can tear down castles all day long. My kids love this game called Minecraft. They build castles all day long only to tear them right back down, only to have them rebuilt again. In your life, you got to quit tearing castles down only to have them rebuilt again. When you tear it down and remove the stronghold, find out where the misplaced trust is or the lie is. And so you don't just get set free, you stay free. This is what, what so many people deal with. They get set free from infirmity or sickness only to find themselves three weeks later back in infirmity and sickness. Yeah. Man, when you get set free, find out what sets you free and stay free. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to keep healing the same people over and over. I didn't heal you to heal you again. God didn't touch you to touch you again. He touched you to set you free to stay free so you can go touch somebody else. Yeah. And so today we begin to tear down strongholds in our life. And if you are believing a lie, it may as well be the truth to you. If you are believing the lie of the devil, it may as well be the truth to you. Because it's manifesting just like the truth would, just on the opposite side. And so I want you to begin to believe the truth of God for your life. As we talk about building blocks this morning, when you agree with the lie, it may as well be the truth. And as you agree with the lies, brick by brick, they become a castle that harbors lies and cripples every believer. Paul says this. He says, to destroy the fortress, don't try to transform the fortress. Paul said to destroy the fortress, not to try and transform it. A lie that is harbored in a fortress built around it, it doesn't matter how many flowers you put on it, it still stinks. Paul said to destroy the stronghold, the fortress, or the castle, don't decorate it. 
Don't try to transform it because it's built on the wrong foundation anyway. With the thoughts that are wrong, Paul says, destroy it, don't transform it. Now, don't confuse it with Romans 12, too, that says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've got to renew your mind to start thinking differently. But the thoughts that are already wrong, don't try and transform them, remove them. I mean, it's crazy to try and transform a thought that's wrong because you can't. You need to remove them or completely destroy them and then start thinking differently. And, and you know what the term repent really means, right? It means to think differently. It doesn't mean to call, come running up here and crying and bawling and say, oh, I'm so sorry. That's not repenting because you're not thinking differently. You're just sorry. And, and I heard this phrase a long time ago, and it's a great phrase, phrase. If you say you're sorry long enough and often enough, you'll become sorry. Jesus didn't die for you to be sorry. He died for you to be powerful. And so if you run to God, oh, I'm so sorry, oh, I'm so sorry, you eventually become sorry. And Jesus didn't die for sorry believers. He died for people who will stand up and walk in power, recognize what's wrong, think differently, turn your head a different direction, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of your faith. And you must begin to destroy the fortresses that the enemy has built. Don't try to transform them. Destroying castles is part of the renewing process. Now, I want to talk about three things very quickly because I've spent longer than I intended on the first part of the message. I want to talk about thoughts, speculations, and lofty things. Thoughts are this. They're the random things that pop into your head like we learned about last week, like a bait that you can choose to entertain or you can choose to reject. Now, thoughts, random thoughts. How many of y'all been just driving down your car, down the road in your car, and had this random crazy thought pop in your head that was just ungodly? You know, you're just driving down the road, and, and, and you had a bad day at work, and your family life's been, been not the greatest so far, and you're just driving down the road. Man, I'd sure be happier with him or her, and that just comes out of nowhere. I'd sure be happier with somebody else, and it just pops out of nowhere into your head. Okay? On that right there... That's a demonic attack on your thought life. And you can either entertain it or you can reject it. And as you're driving down the road in the midst of your bad day, throwing a pity party for yourself that nobody's attending but you. Thank you, Jesus. Those random thoughts pop into your head and you need to reject them. Driving down the road and you're you're attending your own pity party, having the time of your life, amen, and your big pity party. The world would be better off if I wasn't ever even here. You can either entertain it or reject it. The problem is if you entertain it, that thought turns from a thought into a speculation, a system of thoughts. So let's talk about speculations just for a second. Speculations are this. Speculations are the what-if questions that if left unchecked will plague us all the days of our life. The what-if questions are like this. You've been feeling run down for three or four days, and you're driving down the road, and it's like, huh, I wonder why I feel bad. What if it's cancer? How many of y'all ever thought that? A couple bad days, energy level's low. What if it's something serious? And you got the what-ifs. You're speculating. Nowhere in your right physical body have you ever had any issues but it's the what if 
And the speculations of the what ifs, what if it's cancer, turn in, turns into I'm going to go home and I'm just going to, I wonder what the internet says about how I feel. The internet said, oh, it's got to be true. Jesus, I got cancer. You kidding me? I see so many believers live their life by self-diagnosing because the internet said, out of a speculation of something that wasn't even true because of a thought that popped into your head that you entertained rather than rejected. And so now you are driving down the road and this thought pops into your head. It turns into a speculation that you've done research on and now you've got knowledge of This is why Jesus said, this is why Paul said in Ephesians that he wants us to operate in the knowledge of him, not the knowledge of www. Thank you, Jesus. I'll go all morning, okay? We'll just go into second service. And so our thoughts, everything's perfect in your life. Boom, a demonic attack on your thought life. It would be better if I wasn't here. What if I got cancer? It turns into a speculation that you embrace by gaining knowledge and resources on to defend the speculation. And listen, going to the medical doctor is not a bad thing. I wish more of you would go to the doctor rather than trying self-diagnose. Let him, an expert, tell you what's right or wrong. Because you know what he's probably going to tell you? You need to get more rest, you need to exercise, and you need to eat different. Well, heaven forbid it should be that easy to fix my life. Lord Jesus, I'm going to a doctor. I I want a worse diagnosis. Surely it can't be that easy. Surely it's not my fault that my life's not so good. You know what I'm talking about? Surely you're not out of breath because you smoke five packs a day. Put the cigarettes down, baby. Let him deliver you from the stronghold. Surely you're not, I mean, thank you, Jesus. I can't tell if y'all want to put me back on a plane or you're happy I'm home. But your thoughts have turned into speculations. And your self-diagnosis have embraced your speculations. And now it goes to lofty things. Oh, and lofty things are this. The stronghold is built so well now through your speculations and your thoughts that lofty things come in. And your mind goes to this. Surely Jesus is coming back soon to rescue us from this pitiful, pathetic life that we have. Your power and your thought life and your belief in the power of your stronghold is so great that your only resort is for God to pull you out of this earth altogether, not deliver you from the stronghold. I love what I read the other day uh, when somebody posted. He said, Jesus is not coming back for a rescue mission. Jesus is coming back for the bride of Christ that is powerful, strong, and overcoming without spot or wrinkle or blemish. He's not coming back for a crippled bride on her deathbed that he's trying to resurrect to bring him home. 
He's coming back for the church that is powerful, that says, on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell, the castles of hell cannot stand against her. That's who he's coming back for. And so those lofty things begin to lose so much faith in the power of God, you think the power of the enemy is so much stronger that the only resort that we have is Jesus is coming back one day. Come on. And I believe he's coming back, and I pray that it's soon. But when he comes back, he's not finding Joel T. Meyer on his deathbed waiting to be rescued to come home. He's going to find me fighting and swinging and pulling down some castles, and he's going to have to pull me away from the battle. And I'm still going to be kicking and screaming and fighting because I want every last soul that's born again that, that deserves to come to heaven. I want every last person on every nation to come with me to heaven. So he's going to have to drag me to heaven kicking and screaming because I want every person to come with me. I may be backwards in my thinking on this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not looking forward to the rapture. I'm looking forward to see nations rise up in the power of God. If the rapture comes, so be it. If Jesus comes back, so be it. If he takes us home, so be it. But I'm not looking forward to getting there sooner. I'm looking forward for the power of God to manifest here quicker. I've got eternity to spend up there with him. He didn't commission me to be up there right now. He commissioned me to be right here right now. Ooh, come on, I got, I got, I got 18 minutes. I'm looking forward to the church rising in power. I'm looking forward to you being set free this morning. And so this is how this begins to work. And I told you this message was for me, okay? And I told you this message, Joel's preached it to himself 20 times, and I'm fixing to reveal to you strongholds in my life. Okay? As of late, I've been struggling with this stronghold. The thought came into my head, Joel, what are you going to do when you get older and you got to retire? What are you going to do because, Joel, you're not as young as you used to be. You're about to turn 40. Hey, some of y'all. Hey, let's time out. The struggle was real with y'all when you were 39 too, so hush. <laughs> what are you going to do, Joel? You haven't even started your retirement. Come on. That's good. And the thoughts of my trust in my retirement, remember I said all strongholds are built on a misplaced trust or a lie. And my trust... And God help, I'm telling you how stupid this is. My trust in the government sponsored <laughs> 401k social security system, like I said, it's built on a lie. And I'm not saying retirements are bad, but when I put my trust in my retirement rather than a God, than a God who says, I'll supply all things. And I begin, and now listen, it starts with thoughts, and it goes to what-if speculations. And I begin to think, what if, what if, Joel, you have nothing in retirement, and something medically happens to you? What if? What if you're 58, 
And this crossed my mind. Cancer hits your household. Because what if it happens because, you know, your mom's defeated cancer twice? What if? And the speculations of the what ifs are there. And what if that happens, Joel? And who's going to take care of your wife and your kids? Because you're about to turn 40 and you haven't started planning for the future. Now, we're planning on planning a retirement, <laughs> right? So, the, so the, 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 the thought of getting started on a plan for the retirement is there. But the thoughts, what are you going to do, have turned into speculations. And then, like I said, the speculations are driven and they turn into philosophies in your life by the research that you do. And now the research that I've done, even through godly, listen, listen to this, even through godly systems, have built, started building a misplaced trust in my life and not that the, the research I've done is ungodly. It's even been by godly people telling you how to plan out a godly legacy for your life. But because I let fear come in and overtake my thoughts on retirement, it's built speculations of what if. Now I've got philosophies built in my head that say you must trust in the things of man rather than the things of God. And now I'm starting to build a fortress or a castle around my life. And literally, this crossed my mind on the way home. I hope Jesus comes back before I have to retire. I hope Jesus comes back and rescues me before I have to retire because I see that being my only way out. I told you this message ain't for you, it's for me. And whatever it is for you, it doesn't have to be retirement, it can be sicknesses, addictions, diseases that turn into what-if speculations that you compound it by research that the only way it turns and it's turned into a lofty thing that's above and beyond that you believe the power and scope of the divine power God's given you to pull these things down in your life. And then what most believers do, after this, the lofty things are built, and it's so powerful that you can't dare it down, we try to decorate it. And make it look godly and religious. Oh, but pastor, you know, it's just being responsible. I, I know retirement's responsible. I'm not dumb. Come on. But my trust can't be in a retirement. Because yeah. last I checked, Moses didn't retire. Yeah. Last I checked, Jesus didn't retire. Yeah. Last I checked, Paul didn't retire. Yeah. Last I checked, Peter didn't retire. Last I checked, the prophets of old didn't retire. But we in the church today, we've let castles get built. And because we can't tear them down, we try to decorate them with religious yeah. rhetoric to try and make them look pretty. All the while, it's still an ugly castle. Yeah. 
Now, many of y'all got great and amazing, wonderful homes. And, and, and when I look at your homes, I say how beautiful it is. But none of y'all would put this as a centerpiece in your living room. But it's a centerpiece in many of our Christian lifestyles. And it's a fortress that we got to begin to tear down. And if I didn't have to use it as a second service, I'd just throw it off the front of the stage and shatter all the blocks. So come back second service. I may do that. Listen, a lot of people live under cautious and safe many times and call it wisdom when it's nothing more than fear. You live under cautious and safe many times and you call it wisdom and it's not wisdom, it's fear. Cautious and safe may do a lot of things, but it's not wisdom and cautious and safe never move mountains. Cautious and safe has only done one thing. It's taught you how to endure the stronghold, live around the stronghold, walk around the stronghold, and and, and do everything but tear down the stronghold in your life. But the Bible says this. He's given us divine power for the storming of castles in our life. And so as he's given us divine power to tear this thing apart piece by piece, Block by block, it gets down to the thoughts of our life. I can either reject it or I can entertain it. If I entertain it, I'm starting the building blocks of a castle. If you entertain that thought, I would be better off with him or her. You're starting to build a castle of adultery. If you're entertaining the thoughts of, I just need a drink and it'll help me get through the day, you're starting the strongholds of a castle of addiction in your life. If if you're entertaining the thoughts, it'll just be okay if I can just get an escape and get away from the world that I know it. I'm just going to run away for three days on a vacation. You're building a stronghold of running in your life instead of confronting in your life. You've got to stop the thoughts. It says we take every thought captive to the command and obedience of Jesus Christ. I let something happen in my life. I let the thoughts come in, and I began to entertain the thoughts. And the more I entertained the thoughts, it turned into speculations, and I cemented it with philosophies. And then it became a lofty thing that then I was smart enough not to decorate it, but to address it, begin to tear it down in my life. And watch God begin to do what only God can do when you trust in his word. Three things real quick. you got to write this down. To take your castle, you got to know these three things. you got to know your kingdom. To take your castle, you got to know your kingdom. You're going to know your kingdom by reading the gospels over and over and over. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Read them over and over and over and over. And read what Jesus did when he encountered people with strongholds. The demonic strongholds, what he do. I cannot wait till the next series that we do. We're going to camp out in Mark chapter 5 for six weeks. Come on now. If you ain't read Mark 5, get a head start for me, okay? And, and he, he gets off a boat, and the first thing he witnessed was a man with a stronghold. It was a demonic man living in a mountain, living in tombs, and he would cut himself daily. 
and everybody was freaking out. He walked up off a boat, got on the land. He immediately entered somebody with a stronghold. Five or six verses later, he's sitting there dressed and in his right mind. What did Jesus do to the stronghold? He tore it down. You've got to know your kingdom. You've got to know the power that's coming with your kingdom. You've got to turn the power on in the kingdom that you live. And I want you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over and over and find out how many people Jesus touched that went away sick again. None of them did. He took down the stronghold of infirmity in their life. Find out how many people came to him with an addiction and he would set them free. None of them stayed addicted to whatever issue they had. They were set free. And you may be saying, well, who had an addiction in the Bible? There was a woman with the addiction to sex and she was called a whore and he set her free and he said go and sin no more because you've been married so many times and the one you're living with now isn't even your husband and he she went and she caused a two-day revival because she was set free from her stronghold I'm telling you he set people free from addictions and it's the power of God that does it. So the first thing you got to do to take your castle is you've got to know your kingdom. The second thing you got to do is you got to know your promise. Amen. Know your promise from God. The Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. Yeah. See, it ain't you tearing down the strongholds. It's not you having to overcome sin in your life. Jesus already overcame the sin in your life. And so if you're sinning, he just says stop because the power is in you to stop sinning. So just quit. Celebrate it that you're set free. You got to know your promise. And he who has called you and calls you, I love it. says calls because some of you have been ignoring the call and he's doing over and over and over and over and over again and it's time that you answer the phone and say hello God I'm finally listening he who calls you is faithful and it says he will surely do it for certain without a doubt because he's God come on now so you got to know your kingdom you got to know your promise you got to do this you got to know who you are The biggest castle the enemy tries to build is to get you to believe you are less than all God said you are. The biggest enemy he tries to get you to believe is this, that you are less than everything he said you are. And if he can get you to doubt who you are in Christ, he's going to start building a castle. And if he can get you to doubt that you are less than everything that he said you are in Christ Jesus, if he can get you to doubt that you're not an overcomer today, he's going to start putting a stronghold of thoughts and then of speculations and then of philosophies and then of lofty things. If he can get you to doubt that you're not more than a conqueror today, if he can get you to doubt that you're not healed today, if he can get you to doubt that you're not um, who, who God said you are as a mighty warrior of God, if he can get you to begin to doubt and believe that you are less than all God said you are, He's going to start finding a way to put a stronghold in your life. But the Bible says this, we do not transform strongholds. We destroy them. We destroy them. And we're going to get ready to destroy some strongholds here in the next two minutes. So worship team, come. Ministers, come and begin to pray. And I want you to get ready to destroy some things in your life. Listen, I should do probably an eight-week series on just everything I talked about this morning. And I may try and figure that out, how to make that happen. But, but as of now, I'm believing that the power of God's going to do what I didn't have time to say.